My last guest, Pat Hunt, is a geneticist, which means she is a biologist who studies genetics, the science of genes. And we now know she does much more than that, as does my next guest, Nadia Serigetti. Nadia is not only an epidemiologist, but also an infection biologist. So an epidemiologist is a scientist who searches for the cause of disease, identifies people who are at risk, determines how to control the spread of or prevent the disease from happening again. An infection biologist studies microscopic organisms that enter and interfere with our body's functions. Nadia finds herself interested in and good at many things. Her skill as a person who can bridge various parts of an organization, which she calls a connector, brings better understanding for all whom she works with. Not only does she know budgeting, but has a passion for malaria research. Let's find out more about Nadia as the first person in her family to go to university, how she now calls herself a multi-potentialite, how she steered away from banking into scientific research, and who now has a podcast, Unleashed Monday, where she talks about the gifted brain, among other things. I have with me Nadia Serigetti today. Welcome. And you are a woman of many hats. I am interested in hearing how you would explain what you do. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be on your show. Yeah, I actually just recently learned the term called multipotentialite. So I think that's what you say, having many hats and Finally, I have a word for who I am, I guess, a little bit, because I had so many different interests, all, as long as I can remember, I believe. But in our society, going for multiple disciplines or following one path and then making a career change in the middle is it, seen a little bit weird. But in history, there were a few people that actually did various things, inventors that have many different hats. So I'm now embracing all my hats. So you're based in Switzerland and Basel, am I right? Exactly. I'm in Basel, Switzerland. So I currently work for the Swiss Tropical and Public Health Institute. And I've also done my uh, master's degree there. So I'm a trained Mm -hmm. epidemiologist and infection biologist. But leading up to my master's degree before that i also went to a commercial school so i also have like a economic background and in my Ah. current role i kind of bridge those two fields so i'm actually at the intersection between you know the administration and management and then the scientists and the scientific work that's going on ah okay so i'm more like a I will call myself more of a senior scientific project and grant manager. That's what I call myself. (laughs) On your LinkedIn, you said, I am an optimist who loves to manage large projects with joy. I love that. Yeah, exactly. Because I am working on large projects in the scientific field. Like I help manage the projects. And then we have obviously scientists who do then the scientific research on on it. Mm -hmm. But I also am a Marie Kondo consultant, and that's also large projects, helping somebody, you know, tidying up a whole household. That's also something I consider a big project. And now I have my own podcast, which 
I think is also a bigger project. You've gone on these other tangents. Do you feel like you will continue in the science realm? Or maybe oh, you love, have to? I love science. So let me say this. And I'm one of those people that suffers from imposter syndrome. And maybe I can share a little bit of how I got to where I am today. I'm actually the first person in my whole family going to university mm -hmm. and studying, but I'm really like the only pursuing natural science. I mean, the school system is a little bit different in Switzerland than it is in the US. And mm. I also suffered a lot of imposter syndrome. And in Switzerland, once you get into university, you have to show your capability with your scores and your grades. So there's yes. some competition amongst students. So there's not that kind of camaraderie or helpfulness, especially an undergrad, because you know that a certain amount of people are failing and you don't want to help the fellow right. student. It was kind of tough, I must say. For me, it was very tough. And also because I was in a grade where I didn't know anybody else from my high school in the year I was in once I went to university. So until I was um, in my master's cohort, and then I, I formed really great friendships. But doing my master's, I had a very special, say, subject, and it was I kind of had my own project, which I managed and handled by myself. It wasn't kind of a team or it wasn't part of a larger project. Okay. I, I actually got very good grades, but it was draining on my part. I like to work in a team and I like to be part of something larger. Mm. And I just had this imposter syndrome and I just felt at a time that for the person that I am, and I think... Uh, you already saw a little bit of my podcast that I have now. And at the time, I didn't know that I'm probably neurodivergence, what we call. So I'm not having the normal brain that a lot of people have. For me, traditional academia is not the place where I thrive. Let's I put it that way. And I didn't mm. want to become a professor, but I love science and I love the research and I love being surrounded by researchers. And also, I think a lot of people in research might also be neurodivergent. And so I have mm. a lot of friends at my workplace and I like to be surrounded. But I did take a little bit of step back on this traditional path of doing a PhD and then a postdoc and then becoming a professor. Because I have very different interests, I then started using those because then I actually stood out having, you know, a background in accounting. So doing budgetings for the grants was really what was actually needed at the time or, or still is. That's where I come in. I'm more working on the larger on the budgets and then the reports and now I have a actually a new role and probably also going a little bit more back into hands-on. I'm curious when you were younger was it the research that kind of caught you the natural sciences how no. was 
No, <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. I had no clue about research or so, like the day to day what scientists actually do because yeah. I was never really exposed. Right now that I have colleagues my age, you know, they had a parent that was a scientist or work in the pharmaceutical sector or something. I did not have that. What happened was actually in high school, we learned about the life cycle of the malaria parasite. And I thought that was so fascinating. <laughs> like that was so complex. And I was like, why haven't we figured out how, you know, to make a vaccine yet? And that was, it was like wow. ages ago. Wow. And I was just so fascinated. And then also having gone in high school and later on, I had more exposure to more economic subjects and a lot of my friends went into the banking sector, you know, being in Switzerland, that's also, that's, that's another big part. So we have yes. banks and we have pharmaceutical industry. <laughs> and so for me, I just felt that the whole, even though I'm part of the economy, obviously, and I, I love having a job and getting paid, what I'm saying is more that, you know, the stress people have working for a bank. And I just felt like, Wall Street is such an artificial setup, like it's man-made. We came up with economy. We came up with the concept of money. But if you look at nature, like I don't want to talk about God, but like the no. energy, <laughs> like the energy that created this universe, like something must have happened, right? And it's just spectacular. It's yeah. fascinating, like on the smallest scale on molecules, but then also when you look at the stars so as a child I always looked at the stars and I was just so fascinated of like the sheer size of the universe and that fascinated me I'm like this is you know the real deal it's not this artificial economy but yeah. like nature that's amazing <laughs> and so I was so fascinated by biology and I was like I need to study biology and so that's then where I really got on tracks. I was very good at school in the beginning. How do you say like primary school? But mm -hmm. once it got a little bit harder, when you actually had to sit down and do your homework at high school level, I failed a few classes. And that's why I actually derailed from this path of going to the university path mm -hmm. here in Switzerland. So then I, I did this detour of becoming, yeah, this getting this commercial degree and then I was like oh no I need to go to university so back on track and <laughs> by the time I went to university I was already like 23 years old I actually only got my master's at 28 so I really worked for them <laughs> and then saying okay I got the master's but now let me do something else again and then I worked for a bank for a year <laughs> so it's, I just thought okay once I do graduate by then I will know what career paths there could be. And then I didn't figure it out. <laughs> I, I just feel like there is this common connection between art and science. I'm wondering what you think about it, but there's this creative spark. And for me, for me, when that's happening, when it seems like that inspiration is happening, it's when I'm really present doing the work. And you talked about God or whatever being so inspired by the smallest things and the universe. What does it look like or what did that look like for you when you were doing that work? So I believe what makes humans humans is actually being creative, right? Obviously there are animals that are creative and using tools, but not to the sheer extent that humans do. 
we are all creatives and we all like to invent things and play like if you put a five-year-old on a table and you give him or her you know crayons or paper like they're going to make something they're not just yeah. going to sit still everybody starts creating something we're all going to draw or if so we're true. good or bad at right and then when you get older and you start getting judged <laughs> when you do you probably mm -hmm. start feeling a little bit self-conscious so I wish I could be an artist. <laughs> I, I think I, I would love, I, I cannot draw. And, but I, I always love to be hands-on. I think yeah, it's, in, it's in all of us. But then I think this natural curiosity, I think that's what scientists unite and this curiosity, but then also to have to, to create or get to the bottom of it, bringing something complex into a more tangible kind of breakdown bites, right? That's yes. because nature is so complex and we only analyze like a tiny, tiny bit at a time. And I think as an artist, you also, when you make something, right, you want to, that, that's how I believe it is. Please correct me if I'm wrong, but you're putting a mirror on, on something cultural or natural or something and you put a focus or you take something and you want to shine a light on, on something specific and is that oh my gosh that I mean you're saying what my brain knows it's like that is what I am about in my art and and it's science oriented because I want to show how beautiful it is like you said it's taking one part of it and shining the light on it that's why we're here, right? I think so. Okay, so thinking back in doing research when you got stuck, or maybe even you know what you're doing now, how do you get back to that state where, oh yeah, I'm jazzed about what I'm doing and get back on track? So actually I did follow the passion that I had in high school and I'm actually working in the field of malaria research. I'm still involved in that in a larger team mm. and we do that really on all different levels at where I work so from really drug development to then later um, once we have a drug to implementation research how you can actually get it to the people in the right Wow. place at the right time right there's a little logistic and health yeah. systems question component and then we also do mathematical modeling to see you know where if you have limited money which we do where do you best apply it to have the most impact and mm -hmm. then model like what are the outcomes with all the factors for example just give everybody a, a drug at one stage we call this mass drug administration or does it make more sense to just go and test and then treat those people that have an infection at the time that we detect or how much of the population needs to be screened or treated that you can have an impact like all these questions we were dealing with and now with COVID, it's it's basically the same question. So we're applying it on the right. on COVID and yeah. now we got so but let's not get into this because there's so much backlash and all the scientists. I don't know how it is in the US, but we got so much backlash on how the epi epidemiologists now all want to be in the limelight and 
Oh boy. We've done this. We've trained for this, but now I really derailed off, but I'm so no. passionate about this topic. And you ask me, how do you keep going? And for me, it's really the fact that all lives are equal, right? It's just such due to chance of where on this planet you were born. Mm-hmm. And I feel we're all equal. We're all human. And if you listen to any songs around the world in all the languages, I bet like 99.9% of the songs are about love and heartbreak, aren't they? (laughs) And I also believe 99.9% of people want the same thing. They want, you know, health and a good future for their children and their family. We all want to be safe. We all want to have food and good health care. And so I believe all lives are equal. And this is also the place where I work is really to have the best science for everybody, like the latest scientific findings and research applied everywhere. And but we're not just, you know, from Switzerland going and and marching in. (laughs) That was like, I guess, the old way to do it. But it's learning from each other and having a lot of collaborative relationship with people from Mm. across the globe. They come to Switzerland and learn what we do. And we go to Africa, to Asia, South America, wherever. And we learn how they do things because we can also learn a lot from them. For example, digitalization of the health system (laughs) is... I would now uh, say more advanced in some African country than it is here in Switzerland. And so, yeah, that's what inspires me is really that we're all equal. And if we collaborate, we can just improve. And people always think, oh, the world is so grim and we see the news. But actually, I think the world is getting better and better if we look, you know, 20 years ago. That's what's motivating me that I think we do make an impact. But good news is not really good news, is it? (laughs) When you look at it, like the news, if you if you watch the media or the breaking news is always like the shocking things and the bad things. It's very curated, right? As far as like women in science, to me, it seems like maybe it can be difficult. Did you have any hardships or were you encouraged when you went into what you did? I I think it's like with anything in any sector that there's so much change happening at the moment and there's so much more resources for girls and women in science and I, I think the times are really changing and there is awareness where I think 10, 15 years ago, there wasn't even, we weren't even talking about these things. And I was talking to my partner as well. And I said, you know, in the past, I actually, I told myself, I don't want a career in finance or, you know, becoming a CEO of any company, because at the time I realized, wow, as a woman, you have to fight so hard. Uh And at the time, I didn't even realize that other women felt the same. I, I didn't uh-huh. even ask a question. I felt just alone. I was like, oh, I don't want to fight, you know, the glass ceiling. And I just said, I'm opting out of here. So I'm really happy to see this change. And by talking, by social media, by networks, by 
yeah just organization really starting to to speak and yeah the narrative is really changing and we think you know the 80s like it was a long time ago but even like early 2000 i was just <laughs> as i said i'm i i love watching and listening to a lot of diverse fields i was just actually watching the framing britney documentary and the narrative the narrative around when it was 2000 it was so different like how women were perceived in the media and how she was treated and i was like yeah. today nobody would like nobody would treat a celebrity like that in that situation i feel so that's maybe. just yeah. i uh, maybe so i i'm just saying i think times hopefully are changing so i'm i'm hopeful I am hopeful too, and one of the impetus to do this is that things are changing. And I remember in the 2000s, and you know, just from my own work background, it's a different world, and it's going for the better. You know, steps have been made, and obviously, there's a lot more steps to go, but it needs to be done. <laughs> it needs to be done. Yeah. Now, I and I think if you look at especially in academia. I just want to mention this is really I speak for myself and mm -hmm. nothing, and no organization I am associated with or the place right. I work at. But I'm just want to say that even looking at the setup of, you know, who is a professor, how many heads of department at a university are male or are female, how many are people of color. Yes. So you yeah. you can get a sense, like it hasn't really changed up at the top yet. I'm curious, what are you most proud of in your work? I think I'm proud that I can use my very unique strength. I think now that I really have figured out, like, what am I good at? And sometimes people don't realize that what comes naturally to them does not come naturally to others. And then they discredit their own strengths. They're like, well, but that's so easy. Mm -hmm. And your boss assigns you a certain task and you're like, well, that's easy. Like <laughs> she or he could give me something harder. <laughs> but now that I figure out like my strength is really being a translator and a connector. But I mean, mm -hmm. not a translator just in language, but also between fields. And I, th I hear people speak and I know that they're, they're using the same words, but I can sense that they're actually meaning two different things because in their field of expertise, the word is used in a different sense. For example, mathematicians always speak about uncertainties <laughs> because uh, nothing is a hundred, you know, a hundred percent or there's always uncertainties in, for example, a model. Whatever. Uh -huh. but, and then other people just hear this word and, I, oh, if it's uncertain, then we need to discredit it. Why do we even talk about this? There's uncertainty then. Or it's scary you know. or something. <laughs> so that's just one example where yeah. I can hear the word is used in, in one field differently than in, a, in another field. Interesting. Yeah. And I can see where people, you know, have interest or I love speaking to people like you do. And then. I hear somebody say something, oh, I would like to do that. And then I connect them to somebody that I heard needs that. So, yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to add today? Oh, I think science is beautiful and science is 
as you said, like it's changing and everybody can actually make change. So be the person you wanted as a younger you to be there and guide you. So be a mentor to younger people. And yeah, I can only speak for myself. And yeah, science is really beautiful. And don't be scared of like going into it, even I would say later in life, if that's something you're passionate about. We need more scientists always. <laughs> Is there any place where we can find you? Sure. I have my own podcast. As I said, I talk about the gifted brain mostly. <laughs> and it's called unleashmonday.com. So that's my website. And from there, you find all the links to social media. So I think that's probably the best place. Unleashmonday.com. Okay. Thank you, Nadia, so much. I really enjoyed talking with you today. And Thank you again for your time. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you so much for what you're doing. I think this is really an amazing podcast. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Nadia Serengeti, a passionate malaria researcher, a connector and translator of and between fields, an optimistic multipotentialite. Some key takeaways from Nadia. Number one, a career path that takes many twists and turns can still get you to where you wanna be. Number two, we are all creatives and we all like to invent things and play. Number three, science is beautiful. Number four, be that person you wanted as a younger you to be there and guide you. Let's define some terms too. So a multipotentialite is someone who has many interests in creative pursuits and has many exceptional talents too. And neurodivergent means having an unusual neurological configuration, so brain functions are different than the quote, typical brain. In other words, the brain is wired differently. Marie Kondo was mentioned in the episode. She's a tidying expert who offers a joy-centered philosophy of decluttering Find her at KonMari.com, K-O-N-M-A-R-I.com. I hope you've enjoyed this talk with Nadia. Please check out her website at UnleashedMonday.com, where you can find all of the ways to connect with her. If you're interested in hearing more of Artful Scientista, you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcasts. And if you're interested in checking out my science-based art, head over to BetsyJudge.com. And thank you for listening. See you next time.